everybody, it's Friday, April 16th, and welcome to Quick Save, the saving content podcast. I'm your host, Evan Rowe. With me today is Scott Ellison. How's it going, Scott? You know, after some thought, I will have to go with Gokay. Gokay. I'm good and I am okay. Okay, I was worried this may have been a Dragon Ball character situation, which I thought was something you were vehemently against, but I'm glad you cleared this up. Anytime. Thank you for that. Uh, oof. It's Wednesday. I mean, Friday. It's Friday, <laughs> but it's Wednesday. Illusion shattered. Again, as usual. Every week. Every single week. We, like, just were the worst magicians. <laughs> Do you uh, do you have any memories of magic shows like as a kid or an adult? Like preferably bad ones? Mm, I mean, so no is really the answer. But I guess like the closest thing I ever got was like. There was God, this Mark Summer show that on Nickelodeon. And I think it was just like a one episode thing where there was like this magician in a theater. I don't like I don't even remember what the show was, but it definitely had Mark Summers in it. Interesting. And, it, and that was like really my only like thing that I remember from childhood about magic. Like I never saw like magicians live. I never okay. did any of those like magic show things, but I just remember that TV show with Mark Summers <laughs> having a magician. Enough. Do you remember when you discovered that Mark Summers was like an entertainer outside of Nickelodeon stuff? Like, for example, that he had his own Food Network show for a while. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I mean, not as a kid. I never knew that he did more than that. But yeah, like when I discovered him elsewhere, I was like, oh, oh, yeah. And Uh, like Food Network was was that thing. Like that is the next place that I, I saw him. Yeah, uh, sir, you're also, by the way, you were referencing Mark Summers magical mystery special. Ah, which yeah, was a, yeah, OK. It was a one off special that aired on Nickelodeon originally produced in 1988, but continued to air often multiple times every October for several years afterwards, all the way out through 96. That that would line up. I could have seen it at any time. I don't know whenever mm-hmm. it was, whenever the first time was. But yeah, that was definitely it then. And that was my magic show experience then. Yes, yes. And he he himself, you know, was a is slash was a magician. So, huh. yeah. And then I, it was it was around the time that I rediscovered him on Food Network where I learned that he was a germaphobe and did not like to shake hands. Oh, that's unfortunate for him. Turns out, you know, modern day times, not shaking hands is pretty great. And these days, it seems to be the way to go. Uh, and in fact, like. Oof, yeah, like I'm still just reflexively washing my hands the moment I return to the house. Yeah. Anytime I leave. I have to. I man, I really hope the long lasting effects of this are just better hygiene for everyone across the board. Yeah, that is the best outcome. Like, can you imagine uh, if if people actually just get it together and, <laughs> you know, take a more proactive stance against. Spreading disease, uh, that sounds great to me. Yeah, I mean, I remember like years ago, I would see people like just seldomly like one person maybe going through the grocery store, you know, like December, January time frame with a mask on. I'd be like, that's fucking Uh weird. And now I'm just like, man, that was super smart. (laughs) Like, what are you paranoid? Uh, (laughs) No, it's true. And like, 
I, I talk about this with Ashley all the time, but like, I think even when this pandemic, when the pandemic is, is like, you no know, quote over, like I will probably continue to wear a mask in certain situations, like public transit, a hundred percent. Yeah. I'll be doing it still. Um, like if I'm uh, under the weather, I will wear a mask. Like, absolutely. Yes. I will always wear one if I'm sick, if I have to go out in public, it's just like a courteous thing to do. It makes way more sense. And like, if you're already the sort of person who's like, well, you know, if you're sick, you shouldn't be coming into work, for example, like you should be staying at home. Then this is just like a natural extension of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I'd love when we took our kid in for her three year appointment recently, the doctor was just like, yeah, we've had no one come in sick, basically. Like I for I like I've even forgotten how to write prescriptions for things like we had someone come in who needed a script a week ago and like i literally didn't remember how to do it that's wild um, that's yeah, so much it really does um so it's yeah it's, this is this would be a great trend to maintain because like I, I gotta tell you like not getting sick is wonderful it's really enjoyed not being sick for a year i am very okay with that <sighs> uh well aside from being generally just you know the pictures of health as we both are uh what what have you been getting up to in terms of video games lately uh so kind of last week was like a backlog week uh for me so i i talked about things that i just finished uh this week was more about review games and just playing new stuff so i was playing astro aqua kitty Okay. Uh, which, if you're not familiar, this is part of a series now. Uh, the the first game was Aqua Kitty Milk Mine Defender. Uh, what? Which, which ultimately got shortened to just be Aqua Kitty by the time it made it to other platforms. But on PC, it was Aqua Kitty Milk Mine Defender. I don't like this at all. <laughs> uh, so basically, continue. cats were forced to mine milk from the planet. Uh-huh. Uh, under underwater because things went bad under, above under milk. Um, above the water. Okay. Interesting. That's that's the the soft premise of what it is, but really it's it is playing as a damn ass cat shooting things in a way uh that you would find in Defender or Gradius. Ah. I get it now. Yeah, it's in okay. it's in the name what you're doing. It is you're playing it defender. Is. It says defender. That's what you're doing. So the first game, it was it was a very arcade experience. Uh, you would, you know, move left and right. You could rotate your ship, and the screen would wrap around onto itself. So if you went all the way to the right, you would end up on the left side of the screen at some point. And you were defending the the milk mining stations, and these underwater creatures would come and try to take uh, your your helper cats and whisk them away above the water, and you had to stop them from doing so. And high scores and such. Over the years, it would get ported to uh, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch. Uh, new modes and things would come to the game, and then obviously the other platforms would receive those as well. Yeah. This is not that arcade experience. This is... It's still, I mean, it's still very much an arcade game, but it's not based on high scores. It's not based on that. This is, this is now an action RPG style kind of game. So now you're still doing the things where you're underwater and shooting, 
but now you're you're getting experience points instead of score points. Mm, I see. And and then that XP translates into levels, and then you're you're bolstering your health, your armor, your energy, and picking up loot uh, that's level based and and things like that. And all right, uh, it's still underwater, so it gets a little uh contrived in in the way that like so now you're you're in space hence astro um, space but the you come across these asteroids which are mysteriously filled with water hence aqua okay so still an aqua kitty but an still asteroid. an aqua kitty but in space all right i mean i'm, I'm following by, by that logic like when we go swimming we're swimming in space right uh, okay yes right? and it's, that's that's basically what this game is saying is it i think so i don't understand any of it <laughs> i mean we're in space right now well i mean listen if you want to talk <laughs> if you want to talk astrophysics yes in 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 multiple ways of thinking about it yes we are currently existing in space right now mm-hmm. are you happy very great uh but the game let's get back to the game right yes let's do that it's awesome i absolutely adore this game i think what they did to kind of change it up or just kind of modify what it's doing here and and switching it to an rpg system rather than just like an arcade system i think is a little more appealing um there are eight asteroids to explore and you have like these really large labyrinth style uh, asteroids to explore. And then you will, you will kind of dynamically take on quests. Um, there will just be like these little green exclamations over a certain cat as you explore and they'll tell mm-hmm. you, Hey, I need this or I need you to go do that. And that's kind of it. Like it's, it's, it's not very deep but it is highly satisfying. So you'll just kind of pick up these quests as you go along. You might pick up like three quests at, at once. Um, but really all it ever comes down to is that you just need to clear the map. If you clear the map, you'll have done all of the quests and you will do all the things and then you can move on. Great. Uh, there are times where you can kind of move into a zone with a lot of enemies and feel underpowered. So you can kind of go back to an area that's maybe a little, uh, like a little more sparse and clear out everything there to get the experience and possibly just kind of take over to the next level that where you can spend uh, the currency that you collect, which are just these gems that are either coming off of enemies or from of like rocks that are, are within the asteroid. Mm. And you can, you can have two weapon types and four like buffs. So like I I've been rocking a build where like I have like really fast health regeneration really fast shield regeneration. Um, I, I have really fast propellers. Um, so the game, um, even like the first game, whatever direction is opposite of your propellers is the way that you'll go the fastest. Mm-hmm. So like if your propellers are facing to the right, move, like pressing left, will, you will go fast. But if you try to kind of back up and move to the right without rotating, you'll go like half speed. So there's like some thought into whether you're like you're navigating a tight space 
to maybe kind of back up your way through it so you don't bump into anything and take unnecessary damage. Or if you're trying to escape, kind of pay attention to where your propellers are facing and face it in the right direction so you have a, b- a better escape plan. Mm. Uh, and then I have uh, a targeting computer, which helps me uh, be more efficient and like it kind of auto aims a little better for you. So you don't have to be like lined up for your shots to hit. You can be a little off and it'll always hit still. Um, it does like the fog of war map fill in kind of thing as you explore. There are a lot of like save stations along the way and at the save stations you can uh, access the shop which is where you can buy better gear if it hasn't dropped for you Mm -hmm. Um, and the shop is also where you can where you can do your upgrades Mm. okay you can you can look at your cargo and your inventory at any time but it's just like the shop is not available so you can't you just don't have that access but all other things you can still do. So it's not required that you find a save station to like swap out for better gear or something like that. Right. But it's a, it's a fun, neat little game from Tiki pod. Uh, I've really enjoyed their games. I've literally reviewed every single version of aqua kitty that has come into existence. Okay. <laughs> so you have, you have a, a love for this series, a love for the series and a, and a relationship with the developer. They're, they're super cool to work with, and yeah, I just really enjoy the games that they make. And Astro oh. Kitty is thirteen bucks, <clears throat> like a really nice price point. I did not realize that Tiki Pod and OT. Oh, so Tiki Pod did some work on Stealth Bastard. Looks like they did, yeah, and animations for that. Oh, yeah, okay. They they worked on some things I've played. Cool. Well, that's fun. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's getting me to use my Switch a lot more. I would have actually reviewed this on PC, but the all the other versions just weren't available. Um, the PlayStation 4 version is out now, and then the Xbox version is coming later, and then the PC version is coming in June. Does it, uh, does it play pretty well on the Switch? plays great. I mean, it is imperceptible to any kind of like resolution problems or frame rate issues it just it is super smooth looks super crisp uh i mean it's it's a pixelated art style so it has leeway to to look a certain way without looking bad sure and i i just it is kind of the perfect switch game really nice um so the one thing that i di- i didn't mention was the fact that at the start when you start a new game you have the option of picking between four pilots and then four engineers. And each one of them has their own attributes and perks. So when you pick who you want to play as and who you want to have with you, there's still other options for you. So kind of playing through this game once doesn't really allow you to kind of see and experience everything. You kind of get to you kind of feel encouraged to want to start over or start another playthrough with a different character and see like how they work together and how, how it feels, you know, because some characters Mm -hmm. will be faster or maybe there's ones that are just like a lot more tanky. Um, (laughs) and then you've got a multitude of 
difficulty options and then also for those who are looking for the ultimate challenge you can uh, enable permadeath mm, the ultimate challenge which i would do terrible with the, there were so many times that i died to this game but because of the plentiful save points strewn about the map i was never like far away from a save like i had always saved like within five minutes of my death nice uh which also kind of led me to get like save cheese a little bit like so a thing you can do is like if you do enter in like a, a cavern that is just rife with enemies they are just filled to the brim uh you can like pick off who you can and if you take too much damage you can just jet away go save which replenishes your health and shields and then come back and finish off the rest of them like there's a save state to it in that like they don't just respawn yeah uh, which also happens throughout the entire map. So once you clear out a map, it will almost be entirely devoid of enemies. There will be some that respawn, but at that point you don't earn experience for them. So you can't like grind it in a way that like makes you OP for the, the next asteroid or whatever. Gotcha. So th there is a gating mechanism to, to prevent you from doing that. And I, I, I appreciate that. That's good. Um, or, you know, if you don't want to ever make a decision about like who your pilot is or who your engineer is, there's just a randomized crew button that you can press that'll make that decision for you. Right on. That's cool. Yeah. Oh. I, I super enjoy this game. Nice. Yeah. It sounds like a fun time. And then the next game that I've been playing is the dark side detective, a fumble in the dark. I can't remember if I ever talked to you about the first game. I don't know if you did. <clears throat> it doesn't, it does not sound familiar. I will say uh, that. it was one of my favorite games uh, when it came out. I reviewed, I reviewed it when it first came out. Are you looking it up? I am. Yes. I'm looking it up while I listen to you. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if you were going to be like, oh, yeah, I totally remember. No, I, I don't remember this at all. Okay. Uh, so it is, it is a point-and-click adventure game, uh, very much in the style of, like, LucasArts games or, you know, just kind of anything that you have reverence for with point-and-click yeah. adventure games. And But, the, like, the thing that this game does differently, aside from maybe the aesthetics, which it goes for, like, these big blocky pixels mm -hmm. for its art uh is the fact that it goes for humor in yeah like in every aspect like sure you can say like monkey island is is funny and stuff but like this is predominantly funny more yeah. than anything else like it goes for humor all the way through top to bottom every single line is almost a a punchline in itself nice and it, it's never exhausting and it it always lands and it's great. And so like that was that first game. Mm -hmm. And and A Fumble in the Dark is season two, or at least that's kind of like what it was called initially was season two. Yeah. Funded on Kickstarter, did extremely well. And it picks up exactly where the first game left off, which was on a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. And it it it's hasn't skipped a beat like in any way. It is still doing the satire and the sardonic humor in in all the right ways that it just it just works and 
the point and click nature of it is very refined um, because even like the first game there's a specific way to solve a puzzle you can't ever like get ahead of it too much there's like some leeway here and there but for the most part like you have to solve it a certain way like there will be times where it's very clear what you have to do but you have to do it in in the steps that it needs to happen probably designed in a way so it doesn't like break the game i would suspect yeah, yeah. and i don't know if that would bother some people because it, it, it depends on like the type of adventure games you grew up with and played how that's going to affect you right uh but for me like it, it was like a problem in the first game at first but when i i got to this one didn't think twice about it it just came naturally like i knew okay this is this is how i need to solve it so i need to kind of go backwards from here and figure out what the steps are to solving this and this one this one does that but at a, like a more complex level so i think what one of the original complaints of the first game was was that it was too short so there were six cases uh, because you play as a detective and you've got a partner and Things of all supernatural origin are happening and it's up to the two of you to figure out what is going on in the city and and solve these weird supernatural mysteries. But not in like right. lame Scooby-Doo kind of way. <laughs> right. Uh, so there were six cases and I finished that game in like three or four hours. Which it's a good amount of time, but like when you get to the end of it and you've had so much fun with it, like you just wanted more. Uh, they would go on to release like some free side story stuff uh, of like really short cases that kind of helped increase the longevity to it, but it wasn't like enough really. And this one seems to really address that. So for me to see all six of the cases in this game took me around eight hours. It's pretty substantial very substantial i am i am extremely pleased it does not feel like it's overstaying its welcome it doesn't feel like it's it's doing anything longer than it needs to it is it is really well thought out the, the puzzles are more complex even the very first case that you do which can be a, a means of like onboarding people if this is maybe your first game you know like if you're just jumping into this one not knowing that the first one exists or just whatever mm-hmm there's a lot going on in this first case. Like you have access to a whole city with six different locations and each location has like four to five screens to access and like interact with. It's kind of a lot for a first case. It like took me like two hours just by itself. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the cases that followed were, were not as long. And, but I, I don't know also if that was like me getting used to the systems again and like being a little more efficient or if it just really was like I wasn't having to traverse across multiple locations anymore that that cut down that time. But all the same, like everything you click on, there is some sort of text that goes along with it because the game is not voiced in any way. So mm -hmm. it kind of allows you to to use your imagination and kind of do your own voices in your head with it, which I, th I, I can appreciate. Like I, I certainly like my voice acting like in Thimbleweed park or, mm -hmm. you know, something like that. Yeah. But here, like it, it just works. Like you don't miss it. 
because the writing is so sharp and like it is just so funny to read that I think if you had voice voice work for it where they where maybe they were reading out the line and the text was all the way on the screen and you read it before the person could say it like I feel like there would be a disconnect there where like the jokes just wouldn't work anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, you'd have to have like really superb voice acting talent who understand comedic timing to make that work. Right? Yeah. Which is, you know, that's doable, but it's also kind of challenging. Yeah, uh, and I don't know what kind of budget or anything like that, but all I can really say is that it works. Like not having yeah. it just works because you can be your own person for that comedic timing as you read it. Um, like so like every object that is interactable has some sort of uh you know description and then if you click it again it has some alternates and so on and so forth and you can talk with people sometimes there's a like a little bit of a dialogue tree there's never any kind of like weight to the dialogue tree like you get to say everything that comes up in, in the pop-up and there's really never a wrong answer uh anything like that but it is just if if you like humor and then like you like supernatural stuff, so if like you like the occult, ghosts, vampires, druids, demons, all that kind of stuff, like this is super enjoyable. And it, it really piggybacks off of the first one in meaningful ways. So it's I do recommend that you play the first one first before you play this one. Yeah. But even if you were to jump into this one, like it is just super entertaining. I mean, you're you're saying a lot of words that I like. <laughs> So, uh, you know, yes, yes, this is, this is relevant to my interests. Uh, they are releasing this like everywhere when it comes out. Yeah. It's going to be PC, Mac, Linux, switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox one, Xbox series X and stadia. Oh, good for stadia. Good for stadia. Good for them. Uh, Uh, if it's got a CPU, it can run this game pretty much that's that's what i'm picking up that's that's a good thing uh I like, the game already I like, is kind of like has, has a a placeholder for a seventh case so you're you're buying the season two you're playing the season two and it's not quite over when you're done with it now you'll have to pause but it looks like they're coming out with like some more case stuff to to do mm-hmm. Uh, the game is just really good to look at. Um, now having a monitor that doesn't have backlight bleed, mm-hmm. uh, it is really cool to see this game in action where uh, there are very like stark black uh, backgrounds, and yeah. not like having that bleed there just like really lets this artwork like excel at, at, at being so good. Yes, and. Uh, yeah, it is just it's a witty game and probably one of the best adventure games that I've played in years. Like if it wasn't for the first one, like I I don't know what I'd be missing out on. That's cool. Well, I should wish list both of these. And I see the new one, Fumble in the Dark, has a demo, which you can download on Steam for free. Uh yeah, you should do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Very cool. So yeah, so yeah, these are the two review games I've been playing, and they are they are a delight. Nice. I like it. I like it when it works out that way. 
when you are reviewing games, but they are in fact fun and delightful even. I haven't had that much luck this year, so it's it's very Oof. nice. Uh, there's also a demo for the first game as well. Oh, perfect. Well then, what, what do any of us have to lose, truly? <laughs> Uh, so what about you? Are you are you delighted by the games that you've been playing recently? I mean, always. No, that's not true. Um, <laughs> but most of the time. Um, so I have been playing Oddworld Soulstorm for review purposes. Oh, the Warhammer um, game. Yeah, the Warhammer game. That apparently, <laughs> Discord thinks you're playing if you're playing Oddworld. My, I, I need to look at this. I have a suspicion that it's because it's probably like soulstorm.exe. Oh. And Discord's like, LOL, okay. <laughs> I have a mapping for this. That's my hunch. Um, I'll, I'll confirm this while I'm talking about it. But yeah, uh, Soulstorm. Oh, yep, I was right. Soulstorm.exe, that's the problem. <laughs> God damn it, Discord. Um, so yeah, uh, Soulstorm is the new game. Ah! Uh, <laughs> God, man, my voice is just all over the place this week. It's great. It's super good. Um, it's the new Odd Roll game. Surprise. Uh, if the title wasn't enough of a tip off for you. <laughs> um, and it is a like sort of remake of the second game, right? Um, oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Oh. What was I don't even remember what the second Oddworld game was called because uh, I think Abe's, Abe's Odyssey Exodus was, Exodus is the second one yeah okay yeah so this is sort of a retelling of that suppose like sort of um, but it's not also it's also not like a true one to one remake I think it it sort of like takes the ideas of Exodus and reimagines them and also sort of just remakes what that game's original vision was supposed to be from what I understand it. Oh, okay. And so, um, you know, this is like, this is a brand new from the ground up game, right? Um, it's being made in, uh, unity and it's pretty polished. Um, and like, you know, so new and tasty was the remake of the first game that came out. Uh, what year was that? 2015? I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in there for sure. Uh, so it's been a bit 2014. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so that was already like, you know, a 3D side scrolling remake of the original game. Um, and I think like, you know, th there's just been a lot of effort between that game and the re-release of a lot of the older Oddworld game, Oddworld games on uh, like remastered versions of the old games on Switch and Xbox and, and PlayStation. Right. And just sort of updating those titles, which, uh, you know, I've reviewed most of those over the past <laughs> couple of years. Um, and it's funny because like Oddworld was one of those franchises when I was younger that I remember got a lot of buzz. Like the original, uh, the original games were on the PlayStation One, if I remember right. Um, yeah. And so those were games that I I didn't have a PS One, so I couldn't play them. And so I would just read reviews. I'd read about them in magazines. Um, and people had great reverence for it. Seemed like for the series because they did some really interesting and innovative things at the time. Um, and there's a tendency, I think, and even this is true, even for me when I was playing new and tasty recent, uh, last year, um, to look at these games and think, okay, well, these are from the era where 2d side scrollers were really, um, like they were just everywhere. 
Uh, you know, there's there obviously are platforming elements in these games. Mm. And so the temptation initially is to play them like platformers. Um, and if you do that, and if you go into, uh, and this is true of, of Soulstorm as well, if you go into those older Oddworld games with that expectation, you're going to have a bad time because the pacing isn't going to match your expectations, right? Right. These are not like, yes, they, uh, they have platforming, but these are not platformers. These are adventure games. Um, Correct. With, and like, you know, longtime fans of the series are going to be like, yeah, no, no, duh. Uh, what other galaxy brain takes you got for us? But <laughs> I think I think there's a lot of people who haven't played these games and who have just seen them from afar. And so I think it's really useful to sort of make sure these are being characterized correctly. Right. And so, you know, it's it's much more about adventure that happens to be in like a two 2D or, or like side on perspective. Um, and you know, new and tasty was very much it's like I hate to make the Metroidvania comparison, um, but that's sort of the closest thing I can think of, because there are discrete levels and areas that you'll move through. But there's also larger zones that you'll do. You'll move back and forth throughout. Right. And you'll you'll double back as you solve puzzles to collect things. And it it sort of kind of has more of that feel to it overall. Uh, and I think and I, I may be way wrong on this, but I think the difference is like as opposed to one giant sprawling world. You kind of get these smaller encapsulated versions of that that make up, you know, like levels or areas or chapters. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, it's it's an interesting take on the formula. And, and like I actually kind of bounced off new and tasty a little bit when I was playing it because I was like really hoping for something a little more fast paced and action oriented and like it wasn't quite hitting the notes for me. Soulstorm, though, like knowing that going into it, like and knowing what to expect. Um, it's it's a totally different experience and, and seeing what they have done with Soulstorm in particular to make it look like a proper like this is a new, shiny, exciting Oddworld game. Right. And yeah, it does. It does continue the narrative from Odyssey or, or new and tasty, depending on, you know, either way. Um, I guess new and tasty subtitles, even Abe's Odyssey. So it's we'll just say Odyssey. Um, <laughs> it's a direct continuation of that story, but it fleshes the story of Exodus out more. And really kind of gives more purpose to that narrative, right? Um, and the game starts pretty much where Odyssey leaves off, right? Abe has saved all of his uh fellow, what are they, Mudicons? Mudic- Mud- Mudic- I Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mudicons. Um, you know, he's rescued all of them from slavery, right? And the opening sequence is kind of funny because, you know, all the Mudokons are hanging out, just like relaxing in this cave or whatever. Uh, really just talking up how awesome Abe is and how they think he's great, uh, presumably because, you know, he saved them all. Um, and Abe is in the back with a shaman type character having a massive crisis of identity. <laughs> like, just, just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh you know, I don't like I don't even know how to come to terms with all this stuff. And and like, what do you mean? I need to, you know, like, I don't, I don't necessarily want to to have this responsibility. I don't know that I want to make the sacrifices I need to make to realize that uh, there's like this very dramatic thing with him, like trying to cut the 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 binds on his mouth, right? That kind of prevent him from opening opening his yeah. mouth fully, not being able to do it um, because of of reasons. Right. <laughs> um <laughs> And him just kind of not being prepared to to live his life as like a free person. Um, 
And then that's promptly interrupted by the assholes who imprisoned everybody showing up to murder them all and take them back as prisoners again. So, <laughs> you know, you you start like with a much more like a, a somewhat action oriented escape sequence, which is basically, a, you know, it's a tutorial level. Yeah. But it's a pretty well contextualized one that actually feels like it has narrative purpose, purpose which is nice because like sometimes you go through tutorial missions and they're garbage or they're just very obvious about what they are. Um, and so, you know, I, I admittedly at this point I've played that and like a bit of the first area afterwards and not a lot else so far. Okay. Um, but, uh, I don't know, like this time around it's, it's clicking for me in ways that it wasn't that the previous Oddworld games had not. Um, and, and I don't know what it is about this one other than the fact that it's clearly really well polished. Uh, and I think they've kind of done, it seems to me that they've taken a hard look at the things that made the old Oddworld game successful and the things that were clunky about them mm-hmm. and is trying to really streamline the experience and, and get down to what it is that makes these games interesting to play. Um, and I'm, I'm fairly optimistic about how this one's going to go. Uh, you know, I, I could get another couple of hours into it and realize it's still just not my thing, but I think there's already some really nice quality of life improvements around like stealth uh, and and like volume indicators, right? So when you're when you're trying to be quiet, like you can have a better sense of how much noise you're making because the game like really clearly can conveys that to you. I think they do a good job of incentivizing objectives and and hidden things by like really like giving you big shiny medals. No, oh, <laughs> when yeah. you when you find shit, um, like hey, you know you can you just got a gold, but if you find one more secret, you can get a platinum. You want a yeah. platinum medal, don't you? Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's so far. It, these are like very early impressions, but I'm enjoying it uh, for the time being. Um, I I know that this game had some technical problems when it launched, uh, and I think a fair amount of that stuff has been patched out at this point, so I don't really know where things stand. Uh, and I also haven't gotten far enough into the game to find anything major. Um, but you know, uh, pending more time with it and we'll check in on this again next week, this may actually be like, if you've ever been interested in an Oddworld game, this might be the place to hop on. Um, that being said, like, I know you've played some of this as well. I'm curious to hear what your initial impressions of this were. Yeah. So I don't like have much experience with this series though. Uh, I've played, like I played the demo of Abe's Odyssey on PC. Like it was one of those PC gamer demos that you get on the CD. I played that demo a lot. Uh, and then I played strangers wrath when it came out. Uh, and funny, funny story. I used to live in San Luis Obispo, which is where Oddworld inhabitants had their headquarters office before they moved. So I spent a couple of like different days uh, trying to go to their office to see if they were there to like meet them and, uh, you know, do something, you know, with them or whatever. But they just weren't available when I went. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a bummer. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe it's not that funny of a a story after all. It's kind of sad. (laughs) I didn't get to meet them. (laughs) Oh, uh, but they were there and I got to see the outside of the office and that's, that's not nothing. That's something you were there. So I, I got to plan the first level of Oddworld Soulstorm, 
Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really good tutorial first level. I yeah. Yeah. Like that's the only level I've seen. So like all of my impressions are based on this very first level and nothing more. But yeah, like it's really good at like teaching you things that it doesn't feel like ham fisted. Like it's sure it's like pausing the game to tell you something, but it doesn't feel like, oh, just let me play the game. I know what I'm doing. This time it's like, I actually don't know what I'm doing. So please, could you keep pausing and telling me things? Yes. So it just it works like I'm five. Yeah. And so learn learning like like how how these like combustible items work, how to put out fires, how to you know like sneak through without making too much noise like yeah like learning all these things makes perfect sense is doing it right um i i guess like if i were to complain about something like i just feel like visually it doesn't look as good as it should and i'm playing on pc on the highest settings i i don't know where like i feel like i've taken a misstep here in in terms of my expectations but maybe it had something to do with like the CGI trailers that they were releasing like over a year ago uh, with this game or something. But I, there was just a a visual bar that was set in my head either by myself or by the developers where I thought it was going to look a certain way and it looked less than that when I was really playing it. And I I will more or less be fine with it. I, I'm just getting used to it, I guess. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, um, when you go into that menu screen, you get a real, real high poly, like high texture, real good looking render of Abe hanging out there, right? So you're led to believe that this is setting the bar for what the visual quality of the game is going to be. And I definitely agree that it doesn't quite match up to what I was expecting. And I don't know if that's a limitation. Uh, this is, I hate even to say it. I don't necessarily think it's a limitation of the Unity engine, but it is sort of common in what you see with Unity engine games, right? Uh, and we know that Unity is capable of some very high fidelity stuff. We've seen some really impressive yep. games come out with it, but it's also not Unreal 4, right? Um, it's a, you know, you compare that with, well, another game that we've been playing that I, I just now realizing we need to add to the agenda. Um, but Oh, yeah. you know the and i think maybe this is the other part of it too is like when you're playing new games with a really high level of visual fidelity and then you go and you switch over to abe's odyssey which is or not odyssey sorry soulstorm uh world soulstorm which is touted as this you know modern cinematic you know high fidelity retelling of abe's exodus um and you get something that looks like easily better than any odd world game that has ever been made for sure it is the best looking one in that it is just not yeah on par with some other stuff yeah like you just you know there's there's stuff that's lower poly than it should be and you can tell um and and i don't know if it's just like who knows like there there could be a lot of reasons for this but um yeah I, i i noticed that as well it wasn't quite where i thought it would be um but it's yeah it's by no means like an ugly game like i don't want to be thought of as saying that like it is very pretty and i'm looking forward to seeing more levels because really i think part of the problem is like you're in this like indoor slash outdoor space in the first level Mm -hmm. like there's like a lot of caverns and like stalactites and stalagmites all around you yeah but it's kind of like an open cavern at the same time so that that's what i mean by like this inside outside thing like it feels restricted but it's also open 
So I'm curious to get to like these other levels where like the art can can do more for the visuals and like I think from the things that I've seen from like clips here and there on Twitter that that will hold true that it it will just get prettier as I progress. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I hope so as well. Um looking at the Steam listing for Abe's Exodus, uh which by the way is very cheap ordinarily and as of when we're recording this it's on sale for one dollar and one cent um which is that's that's a steal in any economy um like the 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 artwork for this game and its environments are really impressive even for a game that came out in 1998 right yeah Um, really rich detailed uh just locales and so yeah i really hope that translates into something more um more visually rich as we get into the later levels and it's entirely possible that like we'll get in there and we'll be like oh actually this is this looks great um but yeah like it's it's weird it's it looks it's the best looking oddworld game that's ever been made no question huge advance over what they did with new and tasty which was yep. you know i mean seven Pretty years for the ago time. so you would hope so yeah um but uh yeah i don't I don't know it's um it's not it's not a bad game by any means and i actually am very optimistic about it um and like look you know if you're looking for a puzzle platformer oddworld games are known for being very good at that right yep. like that is that is what they are um i do think the nature of the puzzles and so this is the thing that i'm curious about and i ran into this with new and tasty where like the puzzles more or less center around saving your your fellow mudokons right and you're doing you're manipulating the environment to distract guards, to use stealth, blah, 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 to get people to safety. Um, and that gameplay works, but it feels dated, right? It feels like an artifact of its time. And so what I'm really interested to see with Soulstorm is if they figured out how to update that from modern expectations and sensibilities in a way that's going to be more engaging as a player. Yeah, I'm curious because even in that tutorial level, it had a stat for Mudokan saved. Yes, it did. And like, obviously, that's a focus, right? And that's that is has long been a focus of the series. And whether you're playing as Abe or if you're playing as one of the other characters in one of the offshoot games, saving companion characters is a thing you do in these games. Yes. Um, I'm just hopeful that the puzzle design maybe feels more mature and rewarding, I guess. Um, I don't know. Or like or that it just doesn't get stale. Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing this uh, second screenshot for Abe's Exodus. Soulstorm Kennels is like a like a uh-huh. billboard in the background. Yep, sure is. Well, you know, Soulstorm is the name of the 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 beer or the beverage they're all drinking, right? So yeah, but I mean, just in terms of like naming, like how how it ties together, like for yes. like for those who don't know, you're not going to see it. But like when right when when you notice the connection, then yes, then it becomes clear. Well, I mean, they do. They did a similar thing with New and Tasty in that remake where like New and Tasty was a reference to poster art for the products that like all the enslaved Mudokons were being forced to help make. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing some clever stuff with tie ins there. So props to them on that. I like I like I like how they're referencing the original games in in smart ways with how they title these things. But uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm super enjoying the gameplay. I definitely want to dive in more to like get like a truer experience of what it's like to actually play like a proper level that's not the tutorial so i can have a better better impression of it but yep yeah it's it's a very it's a it's a really good looking game but like 
not even in the same league, but like you look at Escape from Tarkov, that's running in Unity, and the things that that game is doing in Unity is wild. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's. I would guess that Battlestate Games is maybe a larger developer at this point, and they've like, they've been working on EFT for so many years, and they raised so much so much money for that game, <laughs> like in the run up to launch and then like post launch, mm-hmm. like. You know, you can see how they would have had more or different resources to throw at customizing or dialing that engine in for for that game. Um, yeah, but but I I agree. Like we know what's possible with it. Like I don't even know. Do you know offhand any kind of Unity games that are like on that kind of level in terms of visuals that are just like mind boggling? Mm, good question. Um, I, I was honestly trying to think through that myself, like <laughs> for the past 10 minutes, I've been like, okay, are there any other really visually stunning unity games? Um, I don't, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I really don't. Um, they're, they're rare. It seems I would, I would probably just say that it's a rare thing. I, I think so. I think so. Uh, yeah, I think, I think Valheim is made in unity. Is that right? Oh, that could be. Uh, We'll see. Let me let me Google this. Yeah, yeah. Valheim is made in Unity, um, but you know that's a very that game uses art style to uh, like stylistic choices to make it look excellent to really good effect. Right. It's not the same thing as like Tarkov, which goes for near photorealism. Right. Um, but again, uh, like, yeah, like you know, there are techniques to make Unity games look really excellent. Uh, seeing actually some news here, not not to to do some news creep here, but uh, that's fine. Nvidia DLSS is natively supported in Unity twenty twenty one point two now. Ooh, that's exciting! So so that people... that will actually open a lot of things up too, because now Unreal has like plugins for uh, RTX and DLSS. Ooh. Now Unity has something similar. Yeah, that's that's really nice. Uh, I'm sorry. Oof, am I, are you, am I boring guns. you? No, it's just late <laughs> and you know that i do know that such a stinker um <laughs> anyway um so yeah I, I hope to have some extended impressions for that next week um so i guess i guess for me the the visual first impression is not not as impressive as the gameplay impression that i have on it so, yeah. so i hope those will those will even out soon for me yeah that's fair um yeah and and yeah this it could go either way right like you you really could see it (laughs) yeah Um, it could get better it could be like pretty much where it's at uh i just don't know what to expect yeah uh i'm looking at the made with unity page and they've got some pretty impressive looking examples of games made with this engine so uh i think it's fair to say that unity has reached a point of maturity where that it's tech is not a limiting factor right okay yeah i mean it just it had such a bad rap for so long yeah well you know it's like unstableness that was easy to use for indie developers or smaller developers and especially if you want to put your game out on multiple platforms at the cost of photorealism right right Um, i think they've closed that gap in a lot of ways for sure it just initially it was like unity isn't just prone to crashing and like 
oh no, I started a, uh, a Unity game and it gave me the launcher to choose my resolution and what setting. Like that rubbed people the wrong way for so long. I mean, how long ago was that? Oh, like, like I don't know, five to eight years ago. Yeah, like like early days. Uh, yeah, early days way solved but like it was it was a thing though that got attached to it and like it just felt like people were against unity even when it was past that sure yeah uh you know and, and people hold grudges right um that's a uh, first impressions definitely well <laughs> the pc gaming audience is harsh right and for sure uh and yeah they, they will hang on to first impressions pretty hard oh man so Monument Valley 2 in Unity? That game is gorgeous. That game is gorgeous. There's lots of really pretty games made in Unity. Like, I I think Unity has demonstrated itself to be very capable at this point. Um, I actually, like, yeah, I've even had that realization myself in the past year or two. Like, when you saw the Unity Engine logo, you'd be like, okay, I I guess I know what to expect here. Yeah. Um, You know, which is to say, like, this game will look okay. It's not going to be... Like it's not going to be knock my socks off or I'm getting highly stylized visuals. Right. Um, and there've been enough releases on unity that look really good that I don't think that anymore. Um, yeah. Same here. I don't, I don't think that way either. And seeing like NVIDIA get into the, into like a partnership with unity, like I think is further bolstering, like they can do great things together and, they believe in unity, so you should too, kind of thing. Yeah, like it's it's legit, and I, it's clearly here to stay. So good for them. Uh so otherwise, it's just been a lot of Monster Hunter still. Um, you streamed for over four hours last Friday of Monster Hunter Rise, and I couldn't get enough of it. It's um, I'm glad to hear it's as fun to watch as it is to play. Uh, yeah, it's it's addictive. Like it's so hard to put down. Um I I hit like the end end over the last few days. Uh okay. so like I've I've finished all the quests. I'm at the end of the current content available in the game, which is great because that means when the next content drop comes later this month, I'm ready to go. Um so now I'm at a point where you know, I'm just doing end game like farming monsters for materials so I can build Excuse me, so I can build the ideal armor set. Um, and that's kind of weird. Cause like, this is getting into the whole, like, mm, like the min and not min maxing, but like to kind of having to think really hard about like making an armor build, um, around skills. And I don't tend to be the sort of person who puts a ton of thought into those things in these games. Right. Like okay. that's not necessarily where I get my, where I get my, oh man, what's the phrase? anyway it's not it's not where like i derive the most fun from but your kicks yeah there we go kicks that's the word that my brain couldn't come up with good job me um but this game i'm finding like i'm actually interested in it so and i think it's because the the skills are easy to get your head around it's not so in depth that you're having to like really think about you know multiple trees worth of skill synergy and whatever it's pretty clear like which things are going to give you benefit and how things are going to affect your damage uh, output and what your trade-offs are. Um, And I also finally, like, I I reached a point with my weapon where I've more or less 
I haven't, I wouldn't say I've mastered it yet, but I am very proficient with it and I know the moveset really well. And I have a pretty good feel for how to, to be as a, about as effective with it as I can. So, um, and obviously like, you know, you were, you were watching last Friday. Like I spent a lot of time in the air, uh, yeah. which apparently in previous games that actually wasn't as viable a solution for damage output. Uh, like you weren't necessarily the most effective that way. And so a big change that Monster Hunter Rise has made with the Insect Glaive in particular is that aerial combos are now extremely viable. Uh, and in fact, you get like a damage multiplier, like a hidden one that stacks for every sub successive aerial attack you string together uh, up to three in a combo. Uh, and then like you get to the point where you unlock your third switch skill, which I was talking about last week. And the one of them is just like a little escape move that heals you. It's not really mm -hmm. useful. Uh, like it's fine, but it's not great. The other one is like literally a like a massive like go up into the air and dive down and hit the thing as hard as you fucking can move. Like you look like a dragoon just like leaping up and smashing down on a monster's face. Um, and you can you can finish off a three hit aerial combo with that move. Mm -hmm. And so now you've got like a 40 percent damage multiplier on that on that particular move, which is already really hard hitting. Uh, it feels real good when you land that. Let me tell you what. Um, and yeah, no, like I'm, I'm having a blast with it. I think I can feel myself reaching a point where I'm either going to wind down for a little bit or I'm going to obsess over building gear and I don't know which direction it's going to be yet. Because <laughs> um, there's there's the temptation to say, well, what if I just built every single version of this weapon? Um, I think time would be better spent now, like because there are some monsters in this game where the insect glaive just doesn't feel like it's well suited for those fights. And it's a lot of like waiting for, for windows and like looking for openings and then spending a lot of time like evading basically. Sure. Uh, uh, Cause you have to get up close and personal with that weapon. So it feels like it would be maybe smart to start learning another weapon and building another set of weapons that, like in a different, like a totally different play style uh, just to give myself some more versatility but also in multiplayer, like if you're playing multiplayer, which is what I mostly am doing, which I strongly recommend, um, it matters a lot less because you've got two or three other people in your party to distract a monster that's extremely mobile and extremely aggressive that gives you all the openings you need to attack it. And so you're fine. Um, anyway, it's it's pretty solid. Um, I, how many, like how many the, total the, hours do you have in the game? How many hours do I have? I don't even want to know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Here, let me let me grab the switch out of its dock. Let me see if there is a um, let's see if there's a like a count of this somewhere status. Is should, it here? Should be on your profile, right? Like my switch profile? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'll yeah, say it's... like you've played it for X amount of hours. God. Um oops, closed it. Okay. Well that works too. Uh options. Uh software information. Oh, you mean like my my profile profile? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh let's have a look here. This is gonna be sad. Um, where's mine? 40 hours or more, it says. Um, which is actually not as specific as I expected. I'm trying to like I, I wanna I feel like at some point the switch software really like dialed back the accuracy of this. Oh. Um Cause like if I were to have pulled up my animal crossing 
playtime on this, it would have been a um, an embarrassing number of hours put into that. <laughs> but yeah, I don't see anywhere because like it, it used to display a very specific hour count, and it's not yeah here. So I don't know. I mean, maybe 40 hours is is just the number and maybe that's just what they, they say X number of hours or more and that count goes up. So maybe I conveniently have 40 hours in the game. That would sound about right. Um, which is not a it's not a small number. But um, yeah, I've put a bunch of time in and I've enjoyed it a lot. And. I am already just like chomping at the bit for more content, and it's to the point where like I've been discussing with people in our discord, like maybe we should go back to play some Monster Hunter World now. And like none of us have played Iceborne. Maybe we should do that. <laughs> um, and like, I don't know, like it's going to be weird. It would be weird moving back to that game after getting used to Rise's systems, because there's just some really nice quality of life stuff in Rise that obviously World won't have. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how viable that is. I definitely think I'm very interested in playing a ooh, maybe this will tell me. At the options screen, will this tell me? I don't even know if you can hear the music from the Switch coming out right now. I, I don't hear anything. Good. Um, my save file on here should actually tell me. 43 hours, 56 minutes. There we oh, go. Oh, there you go. So there's there's the accurate estimate. Um, that, that sounds good to me. Like, that is really what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Well, and so keep in mind, this is, this is technically not the complete game either. Like, the... The stuff I've been hearing is that, like most games, um, COVID affected Rise's development pretty directly. Mm. And so what they did, which I think is smart, is they said, "Okay, well, we're going to release most of the content in the game at launch. And we're going to ship enough here to keep players busy for, I don't know, let's say 40 hours. Um, (laughs) And late April, we're going to do the first content drop and it's going to contain some additional missions and additional stuff to do. And then the following content drop is going to contain a bunch of new monsters. And it's going to like, I, so basically they're going to continue the quest line and continue the story of this game over the next several months through, through title updates. Um, so by the time this game comes out on Steam next year, my expectation is it's going to be like the quote complete experience. Okay. Um, but even still like, yeah, like 40 hours to get to what is essentially end game. Um, that feels about, that feels about right to me. And like, I think we talked last week about farming monsters and like kind of whether that's necessary in the end game or not. And like, you know, you kind of got to see this on my stream a little bit where I was like, okay, there's some gear I need to build. That's very like important to my, to my ability to be like sustainable at this higher level. Right. So now I have to go kill the same monster three times, um, in a row, which not my favorite, but the multiplayer aspect of this makes it really easy to do that. Um, and surprisingly, like still fun, like fighting these monsters and learning their patterns. So uh, and that was really the only time I had to do that the entire game. Honestly, like I did not have to repeat monster fights that much uh, or very often to get the gear that I wanted. So, um, you know, now that I'm at like end game or like post game, um, that's absolutely something I'm going to be having to do to build certain pieces of armor uh, and build up my armor set. But that's fine. Like that's a you know, like that's a thing that I would be choosing to engage with and not necessarily something that's required for progress. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I finally I finally played the demo of this game. OK, yeah, uh, I really like it. Uh, I it's got a really good feel. I was so I don't even have a pro controller and 
99.9% of the time I just play in handheld mode with the 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 Joy-Cons attached. Like that's just yep. how I play the Switch in almost every instance. And uh it felt good even that way, even though like that yeah. is arguably a a clunky way to play pretty much anything. Yes. Yeah, it, I I agree. I think like, you know, it it feels surprisingly good on the Joy-Cons. Um <clears throat> I am very glad that I bought that Hori split, split pad pro. Oh, um, it, it is like, it, you know, it, it's like playing with a full size controller while you're still in handheld mode. Um, and it's a pretty solid way to do it. And like, you don't, you can absolutely get by with the joy cons on that game. Like no problem. Um, but I think if you're doing, and again, like the game is built so that you can do short play sessions. So it really wouldn't be an issue, mm. but if you're going to be playing a marathon four hour session, <laughs> eh, joy cons maybe not so much fun um right but all so. the same like uh you know i it gives you you know your time limit and you do the mm-hmm. the first one the first hunt and i did that and it just it was really good like it just this is the game that i really wanted out of monster yeah. hunter world yeah uh because then i i so after the podcast i think it was like last week i reinstalled world and i played a hunt and i was just fucking bored out of my mind <laughs> i just could not enjoy it yeah and I and then and then I played Rise and it was just super enjoyable. So I'm wondering, I certainly don't want to get in the way if you guys play Iceborne or whatever. But I'm wondering if where Dauntless fits in, or if it can mm. fit in. You mean into like the whole Monster Hunter lineup of games that our our folks are playing? Yeah, like would that be the game that we play multiplayer that everybody enjoys that is closest to Rise? Or is it even too much of a departure from anything really Monster Hunter and it's too much its own thing? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I barely played Dauntless post-release. Um, and, it's, I mean, I have the same question. Like, if I go back and play World, you know, is it something that I'm going to find interesting? Uh, or am I just going to be too... Is Am I going to realize that I needed the streamlining of things that Rise brings, right? Mm-hmm. And then... You know, the question there being like, well, there's some specific features of Rise that I really enjoy, like, I don't know, player mobility. So, you know, <laughs> that's your has, whole thing from what I've seen. It's yeah, it, exactly. That is literally my thing. Um, but not even just in fights, but like the ability to get around. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, like there was a, there, you spent a lot of time just like farming resources and that still looked hella fun just because you were zipping around the area yeah. and you had this yeah. line that you were following. yeah. Yeah, like traversal was is so good in that game. Just when you're dinking around in the world, like it's it's still just fun to do. Like it feels like you can it's not cumbersome to go out on a farming run, right? Because you can be like, okay, well, I'm just going to zip, zap, zip, zip, you know, and um, it's it's just a good time. Um, You feel like you're doing cool, cool guy shit all the time. So, (laughs) um, yeah, so I don't know what Dauntless like how it stacks up in that regard. Like I know when you and I were playing it in the beta, we were like, this is all right. It feels really simplified. Um, and I don't know if that's still true. Uh, or if it's like, if it's more robust now in the post-release state, but I feel like it has like, it, it's been getting like tons of updates. They're doing season pass stuff. Like they've really done a lot of things to it. I just kind of don't know what all of it is that they've done. My bigger concern with Dauntless is the free to play nature of that game and the right. way that some of the systems have been built up around that and, and like stuff that I saw even 
after the game came out and when we kind of went back to it to play it for a little bit and see what state it launched in, I was like, uh, you know, like this feels built around making you do repeatable quests and, you know, maybe not forcing you to farm stuff, but like you either got to pay up or you got to, um, I don't know. There's just like a lot of like material gathering and harvesting systems and combining of, of items to make things and not in the crafting sense, but just in the, like, I don't know. This is the thing that you see in free to play games a lot, right? You're yep. constantly collecting our items. You're pouring them into more powerful versions of items. And, and all of that is just like currency or energy you're spending or resources you're spending to do the stuff you actually want to do. And um, I don't know, like it's not fair to say that I wouldn't be putting the kind of time into it because clearly I put 44 hours into <laughs> monster hunter rise already uh, in the span of like two and a half weeks. But I don't know, like the, I think the combat and, and the quest systems would have to be fun and engaging enough for me to feel like it would be worth doing. So I, I mean, I'm down to install it and check it out and do a hunt and see how it feels now. Yeah. I, I feel like it's, it's worth trying. It's certainly, I'm certainly way more open to that than world. Like just world didn't do anything for me. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I would say probably like when rise comes out on steam, I am willing to bet all of these, like all of us will rebuy it and play it there, or at least yeah. some of us will. So, uh, yeah, I, I am on board for rise on, on PC, no matter what. Sweet. Well, so if nothing else, then that that'll be an option. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So I, but the thing is, is I spent this weekend like trying to find stuff like that. So I was thinking about Dauntless, but I was like, I want to do this with friends. Um, but then I remembered mercenary Kings is basically metal slug meets oh. monster hunter. Yeah, wow, boy, I haven't thought about that game in ages. Well, there you go. Uh, I have that. I bought it like in early access ages. Yeah, ago. they they I review I actually ended up reviewing the reloaded enhanced version that they released like 2 years ago. Interesting. That's good. Yeah. It's real good. It's a good game. Uh, I know I know someone who did some art for this game. In fact. Oh, you do? I do. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, real, real pleasant fella. Um, anyway, do I know this person uh, as well. What? Do no, I know this do. person? OK, I, I don't think so. If you do, then it's news to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, we can, we can check some stuff out and kind of do a tour. Yeah. Um, see what's up. Uh, I feel obligated to move us forward because we need to circle back on something we talked about two weeks ago, which is it takes two, which we just finally wrapped up uh, yeah. playing through cooperatively this week. So um, I'll I'll let you open up with the parting thoughts on on where we kind of where you landed on it now that now that we're done. Now that we're done. Uh, over the course of three sessions, and it's been a few days since we finished it. I fucking loved it, dude. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. That is probably one of my favorite co-op experiences ever. Like, I couldn't say it's the best, but it is one of, for sure. It's I there. enjoyed it yeah. so much. Yeah, I, I think that game is super memorable. Um, and I think... It does some really fun and interesting things. I think the way that they have you like in split screen the whole time, even when you're playing remotely is brilliant. Um, like it gives you that couch co-op feeling like yes. you're right there with the person. 
it's also really helpful to see what the other person's doing. I think I love the way that they find, you know, some interesting ways to give both players different but complementary abilities throughout the game um, and like kind of have you working together toward things. Um, I feel like I, I mostly loved it. I, I just I really just genuinely enjoyed most of my time with with It Takes Two. Um, I feel like there's some pacing issues and I sure. don't know. The thing that I'm trying to reflect back on is like, okay, are those actual pacing issues with the game or were those situations where I was like, I just want to see this move forward and I'm being impatient. Um, so hmm. I, I'm not sure if, if like, I, I can't tell if it was a me thing or if it truly was a problem with like things slowing down. Um, but like, I think, you know, we saw this happen in the back third of the game a lot where there were a lot of really fun sequences and a lot of really well-designed areas but there were also things that felt like they were just added on to me anyway to like pad stuff out a bit um certain spots i would agree with yeah i mean like i felt like the snow globe like area level state like what i don't know how you want to categorize it but like everything within the snow globe was too long that went on for too long um the part where we have to like collect four sections of the same page to complete the thing like I I can see where you would come from in saying that like that was maybe too much or whatever but within the context of the story it made sense so it in that one in that specific area like it didn't bother me in the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I think it just felt like like those sections had purpose but it just would have been nice if they had been a little more concise, right? Like yeah. Y- you know Okay, let's just say spoilers. Um, so this is a game about a couple who is, a, you know, experiencing a lot of problems in their marriage and they're reaching a point where they're considering divorce and the game opens with them telling their child that they're going to get a divorce. And that is literally the the catalyst for this adventure, right? Because their daughter goes and cries on her dolls. The tears fall on the dolls. Suddenly the parents are inhabiting the dolls and they are on this very like Toy Story slash Honey, I Shrunk the Kids style adventure trying to get back into their own bodies, right? They go on a journey yeah. to repair uh, unknowingly and un- perhaps even unwillingly at first they embark on a journey to repair their relationship. Um, and so, you know, you kind of get like the third act of this game is them sort of being forced into relationship counseling by this ridiculous talking book. <laughs> um. <laughs> And so, yeah, there's like these four pieces of a page that they're trying to put together. And the page is a note that their daughter has written and left for them. Um, so in order to get the, the letter back from their daughter, they agree to follow this book's, you know, therapy, basically, and to, and to do the things that it's telling them to do that sort of and the book is, you know, surprisingly teaching them how to to collaborate and work together as a team again and how to find the joy in being partners. Um, And so that's all fine. But I felt like that section of the game was, you know, let's do some very quick and poor math, right? (laughs) It was like half at least of around half of last week's stream and the entirety of this week's stream. Yeah. So let's say four to five hours of gameplay. Roughly. Roughly, yeah. um, 
I feel like this could have been done in about two hours of gameplay. I feel like maybe that would have been rushed. So maybe three. Right. But just there were opportunities to shave some bits off and just to editorialize or like to, to edit this down a little more like nicely. So it felt like. Like, I don't think you had to cut down on everything for it to hit well. I just think like there were times where I was feeling less motivated because it just seemed like we were doing things for the sake of doing them. Um, and right. I don't know if that was because like maybe I just wasn't as interested in the design of certain areas and certain puzzles. Because uh, there's some parts of that chapter of that act that are super cool and really fun yes. to play through. Um, there's some parts that are just like, eh, I could do without this. Um, yeah, so. I'm I'm with you on that. I. Uh, I don't know. It's it's so hard, right? Like, yeah, it is. Like those things that we complain about are probably great for other people. Like they, they have zero yeah. problems with it. But yeah. Yeah, it's hard. And well, it's subjective, right? And that's the whole point is like it's it's it may all of it may work really well for 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 a lot of other people. Um, for me, I just would like to have seen that trimmed down just a tiny bit. Um, I, I, I like it was to the point where part of me just felt like, you know, the team came up with a lot of different cooperative mechanics and they really wanted yeah. to try as much as they could and they wanted to see how far they could push it. Um, and it feels like I don't know what or how many ideas didn't make it in, but it feels like a lot of them did. It feels like they wanted to try and include as many of their ideas as they could. Um, and maybe that's not true. Like it, it could well be that this is actually a, an incredibly pared down set of of things from what they came up with. But um, all I know yeah. is that we never got stuck in this game. True. I mean, sure, we might have like fumbled here and there with like a, a puzzle like like Herder. We we missed something obvious, but like that was maybe two minutes of realization yep you know this is a game where like the friction is very minimal so anything that we mm-hmm. like didn't enjoy was really about how it was given to us and not yeah. about like us just being stuck and, and frustrated with that absolutely uh and i think that's a really huge compliment to this game um because like puzzle games can get up their own ass a little bit um they can they can like just be hard for the sake of being hard. And you know, there's like a very clear focus or like a design ethos present here of like, we want these puzzles to make you think, but we don't want them to make you feel like an idiot. <laughs> um, we don't want people to get stuck because momentum is a very, and like forward progress is an incredibly important part of this experience. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Cause like, look, this is a co-op game, right? And so it's one thing for you to be sitting down to play something like, for lack of a better example, the witness um, where you're going to get stuck on things. Right. Um, and you're uh-huh. going to spend time figuring stuff out, but that's OK, because you're on your own clock. Um, a, a co-op experience sort of requires players to feel like they can keep moving forward and working together or here. Better example, uh, that fucking puzzle. And we were here, too, that took us 90 minutes to solve. Yes, there you go. That's that's a way better analog. Right. And so and that was a case where, you know, deriving the solution was was complicated and then even executing on it was complicated. Um, even once we knew what to do it was hard. And it, yeah. that's not that's like, there is this game could not be further from that. 
Um, like it is very clear what is expected of you. It is very clear what you are capable of doing. And the game literally encourages you to succeed constantly. And that Absolutely. is such a good feeling. Um, so like I'm nitpicking the shit out of pacing issues, but I want to bring it back to what you originally said, which is I also love this game. I think it's <laughs> phenomenal. I really think everyone should play this. Um, if you have the remotest interest in a co-op adventure, like I can't recommend it strongly enough. And it's it's so easy to play with someone else. Like you get a friend pass just for buying it. It's super easy to bring someone along. Like it is not that hard. Where other games, it's like, okay, do we can can we both buy this game at the same time to to then play it? Or yep. do we have to wait for like none of that? You can chip in, split a game down the middle, you're only buying one copy, you both get to play. Yep. And I mean, if you're playing at home on a PlayStation or an Xbox, then Good news. You buy one Even copy easier. anyway and you're couch co-oping. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so but it's it has done the thing where it's like, OK, now we've played this and we know that the developer's previous game is also co-op only and we haven't played it. So now it's like, OK, now EA, EA plays a part of Game Pass. So now we kind of feel like it's a no brainer. We should just go play that now and see what that's like. See you know what their first attempt at a co-op only game was like yeah yeah i'm very interested to see like how a way out stacks up to it takes two and to sort of like see as we play through that game what lessons they learned from it and and how that translated into making it takes two really successful and i'm like I'm, I'm kind of hopeful that that actually translates the, into an even higher appreciation of it takes two. Um, yeah, I think it might be pretty revealing. Um, but yeah, it's um, gosh dang. I'm I'm like if I had to place my vote b- between going back to we were here too and a way out, I want to play a way out first. Oh, that's that's yeah, that's a that's a given for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am so soured from that puzzle, and that's the only thing. Like it's for nothing else just soured I've, on that fucking puzzle we got stuck on we got to get back to it eventually but we have better things to play in the meantime so. exactly exactly womp, womp. right on uh shall we discuss some news yes please fantastic um so this week slash uh the day we're recording this nintendo had another indie showcase and Indie normally, World Showcase. Oh, sorry. Yes, Indie World Showcase. Thank you. Normally, these things just kind of come and go for me. Like, they show up. They show off some games. I don't care about any of them or most of them. <laughs> and then I move on with my life and wait for the next Nintendo Direct or Nintendo Direct Mini or whatever. This one was really surprising because they actually talked about a lot of things I'm very interested in. And so... I kind of wanted to go down a list of the announcements I saw that looked the most interesting or or like cool to me. Uh, yeah. I, and I know you've seen at least some of the trailers from this. I don't know if you watched the broadcast, but I did not see the broadcast. No. OK, so the well, and actually that's you're probably better off, truthfully, because the voiceover that they were doing during the presentation was fucking painful. Like they had these two voiceover folks kind of doing commentary over the game trailers or over the gameplay footage that they would play. 
and it was just very stilted line reads like and it was like kind of younger sounding voice actors like in their like you know early 20s or something so it kind of equated to what you would hear like on Disney Channel promotional stuff from 15 or 20 years ago, I guess is the best way I can characterize it. Oh, uh, when you when you were first describing it, I was like imagining like Mr. Caffeine. Oh, man, I, I thought about him today. I was like, <laughs> when are we going to see Mr. Caffeine come back and present at an E3 again? I miss that freaking weirdo. Uh, <laughs> doodly, doodly, doodly. Oh, my God, that was I. Did you watch that live? I did. Yeah. 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 I, I will never forget that. That was one of the weirdest <laughs> Ubisoft has had some weird press conferences over the years, but that was like iconic weird. Um, whew, boy, what a whiff. <laughs> uh, so the, the, the first game that they talked about in, in the indie world showcase was, um, let me make sure I'm getting this right. Cause I have it written down on the doc. Yeah. Road 96. Um, and it's this adventure game, like road trip theme, like inspired by road trip movies of the 90s. Uh, it's from this French uh, studio. But the the thing with this game is that there's supposed to be like over 140,000 possible ways the story can be told uh, because like the protagonist can change to like one of a couple of different teenagers. And there's all these different things that can happen to you on the journey that play out differently every time. And you go to different destinations and um, yeah. It, it seems like a really interesting concept and I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know if this will actually work, but it's a really cool idea. <laughs> um, I, I hope it does. This would be very neat. Um, yeah. So this that, was uh, originally announced back at the game awards okay. uh, in December and we posted a little bit about it. And so it, uh, the the creative director Yon Finice uh, has worked on games like Valiant Hearts and Eleven Eleven Memories Retold. So these are very like deep stories of like human connections and okay, yep, mm-hmm. you, you know, like very like not saying this in a bad way, but very French. It is going for very like very artistic and like compelling storytelling and like. That's kind of actually coming through here in like the trailer for Road 96. Yes. But even they say they're going for like Tarantino, Coen Brothers, 90s kind of feel yep. to to what they're doing here. Hence the 96, yeah. I suppose. Ah, uh, yes, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Summer 1996 is, is when the game takes place. So there you go. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a real cool idea. I, I would love for this to come together the way that they're hoping to make it hit. Um, but, you know, of note is that this game is coming to Switch in addition to Steam. Um, yep. But yeah, that 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 caught my eye because I was like, oh, this is unique. Um, and the promise doesn't just sound good, but like it seems like they're based on what they showed today. It's like, oh, they're actually demonstrating how this can work. And that this seems like it could be very interesting and like something you actually would want to play through multiple times. Um. Annapurna announced or, or announced two new games that they're working on that are coming to Switch. And again, I don't know if these have been previously announced or not. Um, the one that so one of them, they will look good because I, I love almost everything Annapurna brings. Uh, <laughs> or they're, 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 they're everything they publish. Um, the one of them that's really exciting to me. Is and let me. Yeah, uh, last stop. Um, 
which had just an incredibly cool dramatic trailer uh, that was super well directed. Um, and I think that actually really helped sell this because this is one of those games where like they're not necessarily going for photorealism. They're going for artistic style in the graphical presentation. And some of it's I don't want to say it's low fidelity or anything because it's not. But it like, you know, they're they're just not the game is going for a certain look. Um, mm. And again, that's not a knock against it, but it was just like, OK, it's it, you know, it's it's an indie game, right? Because this is the indie world showcase. Um, and so, you know, that stuff can go one way or the other, but it's it's a story about it's like a supernatural adventure game. And from what I can tell, like the three protagonists, like end up having to share a body at some point or through most of the game. Oh, no. Uh, which has some really interesting story implications because like their stories kind of converge as a like forcibly so. Um, and so that has some interesting uh, like, you know, how how could this be? Uh, how, how can the player like navigate this? Right. And how are you going to, you know, work through the narrative and, and the all the complications that arise as a result of this? Um but like I said, the trailer was just cut incredibly well, uh, like really high drama, really like full of intrigue and suspense and like really did a great job of selling this game. I thought, uh, especially as it gets into later parts of it and you start see like you already get the sense that something mildly supernatural is happening if, if people are inhabiting the same body. But they kind of hint at some like secret laboratory stuff on the scale of something you would see in, like an X-Files or a fringe or whatever and like. Yeah, like not somewhere between hard sci-fi and just like sci-fi sci-fi, like enough that it feels like um, like, uh, I don't know. It just it just it hit some notes for me that I was really digging. I was like, OK, this this is my kind of jam. Um, I don't know if you've seen anything about this one or not. I have not seen anything at all. I highly recommend watching the trailer. I thought it was quite good. Um, that that is what I'm super pumped about. Um, all the Ollie world is going to be yes. rad. Uh, and I, I it takes place in Radland. Radlands. That's right. Uh, was that, was that just announced today? Yes, it was. Yeah. Or as far so as I, I know it was, I think so. I found myself really wondering not that long ago, like if anything was ever going to happen with this franchise again, um, like, cause I don't know. We just haven't heard anything. Like when did Ollie Ollie two come out like ages ago? Yeah, like 1992. <laughs> so uh, 10 years ago, 2015, 2015. Ah, that's a nice callback. Six years. I'm Thank not going to gloss over it. No, I appreciate your recognition. Uh, so, yeah, open world ish. Not really, but like, kind of like larger worlds, like larger scale Ollie Ollie game. Uh, Stranger like, Worlds. Straight what? Stranger Worlds. What is what is that? I'm I'm saying like it like the the places you go in this game are a lot stranger than yeah than what you got in the first two which were kind of almost post apocalyptic in a way yeah but at least at least still somewhat more grounded in reality also yeah like like yeah this is much more fantastical in nature and like they're doing some really cool stuff with like multiple paths through the levels and it's it's like a fully 3d game now it's not like a 2d side on like flat assets game like the first two games were and it's still like a 2.5d version of 3d but um like that helps facilitate some interesting things with the level design so 
a uh, whole new art style. Yes, yes. Um, and just like I mean, but it's it's also still very much an Ollie Ollie game, so you're still doing skateboard shit. Uh, but I think for me, like the things that I liked most about the Ollie Ollie games was exploring those levels and finding the hidden stuff. And so this yeah. game speaks to me in a very big way. <laughs> <laughs> it, and I mean, it's, it's clearly built so that no matter what your play style is, um, there's going to be enjoyment you can get out of it. Right. Um, like it's going to be fun for players of all types, but, uh, this seems, this seems rad. It really does. It's, it's so interesting that it, it changed uh, publishers. Yeah. So who's publishing it now? Uh, Private Division. So it's it's the publisher. It's a take two offshoot, but it's the one that's ah. done like the Outer Worlds and oh, 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 and a few other games. That's cool. And who published it before? Devolver. Oh, that is interesting. Surprising, even. <laughs> I don't. Huh. That's that's. Hmm. I would love to know what happened there. <laughs> uh, huh. That's some inside baseball. I'd, yeah, I'd really love to hear about. Um, okay. Yeah, that is interesting. But hey, we're getting a new Ollie Ollie game. And this one looks like it's going to possibly blow the pants off of the previous two. So yeah, I think so. That's rad. Um, they showed a new Shredder's Revenge gameplay trailer today. They sure did. I God, the nostalgia vibes were so hard. Like it was just, oh, I don't, I don't really care about beat em up games that much. Like I sort of like them, but I also get bored of them. And there's something about the Turtles games. And I don't know if it's just that I grew up playing them and have such reverence for them because of that or, or something else. But I just like, I cannot contain my excitement for this game. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm so super excited for this. You you specifically asked me about like or said that you were going to ask me about this trailer. Yes. Yes. For tonight. Is it just because you were so excited you want you want to make sure that we talk about it? Yeah. Well, and I also like I, I know you were going to be excited about it. So I want to hear your thoughts on it. Like I, I have thoughts as well. Uh, I have reasons I'm pretty stoked about it. I want to know where you like what your impressions of that were and like what your takeaways from it were. So, I mean, I, I think it's pretty well known that I'm a turtle head. Um, I've, you know, it's poked out here and there of like my, my love for Ninja Turtles games and otherwise, but this trailer hits all the right notes. Like, like noticing like the little details of like with the special attacks of how each character had a, like, shadow in color of the character that they were yes and just it looks all new but it it is in like like it is not a one-to-one like recreation of a previous ninja turtles game it is very much its own style yet still reminds you of what those games were and i think that's like a very important thing about it is that it is not trying to be something that it used to be it is trying to be something new but evoking those feelings still yeah yeah well like they've taken some very clear pains to tie it in with uh the original games right like the the way the ui and the representation of player health is such a great callback to the way that that stuff was designed in the old turtles games right like they're 
they're they're doing an amazing job of making it feel new but maintaining a good strong connection to the old ones yes um i i also there was this moment in the trailer that i laughed out loud at where the turtles are entering into an office building and you look in the background and there's a bunch of foot soldiers sitting at desks <laughs> in like button up shirts with little top purple ties on typing away at computers with like angry furrowed eyebrows. <laughs> and then the turtles come in and they yank their ties off and rip <laughs> off their shirts and jump out of their desks to go fight. But just the idea that these foot soldiers are doing like mundane office jobs <laughs> until the turtles show up. It's fucking hilarious. It's so good. I, uh, I And you know that that's not going to be the only gag. No, no, there's going to be lots of good stuff like that. Um, that just that cracked me up so much. Um, yeah, I am. I am very excited for this game. I think it is going to be so good. I love Streets of Rage 4. I would love to play that again and go through it in co-op. OK, well, we well, we can do that. I know I, I know I just said I don't love beat em ups, but I'm <laughs> down for that. Um. And then uh, Fez was surprise announced for the Switch and it released today. Uh, yeah. So fun detour. You and I were just talking about this the other day, too. So like imagine the timing. Did you know about this? No, I really okay. didn't. I really okay, had so no idea. I guess like coincidence, but also not because um, it could be because of this. But like Fez is Fez is nine years old now um, and its ninth birthday was just what? Two days ago. Was that right? Yes. It was this week. Oh, well, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that got me to saying, like, gosh, I haven't played that game in forever. I need to play that again. Um, like, it's time. Like, I try to play through that game every two or three years because uh, it's just one of my all time favorites. It is easily in my top five. Um, I have. I, oh, man, like I followed that game for like five years up through its development into release. And like it came out, and it was all I played, you know, until I had solved everything I could possibly solve aside from the famously brutal final puzzle, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which required people to brute force the solution. Um, other than that, like, I just, God, that game is just one of the most perfect games uh, for me anyway. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, surprise, you can play it on the Switch finally, uh, which is excellent. Uh, very good news. And that, God, there was something else I was going to mention about this. I was I felt like it was another really nice tie-in, but it's uh, it's gone now. <laughs> all right um but yeah i think that's a that's just a fine addition and then like it was only a matter of time because they've brought fez to literally every other platform um yeah and and this is the part where we pour one out for fez 2 uh which yeah, was man. announced and teased and then never ever to see the light of day because phil fish decided that it just wasn't gonna happen and disappeared forever it was like it got announced and then just like a few scant months later, it was canceled. Like it didn't last very long. No, it did not. Um, and I, I had hoped and this was back in 2013 when this happened. Uh, I had hoped at the time that maybe when Phil Fish like kind of did, went on one of his famous rants and like I'm quitting Twitter and like hiding from online life. Uh that it was just going to be like, OK, well, he's just going to go work on this game in silence and isolation for a few years and then suddenly we'll get a surprise announce. I don't think yeah. that's going to happen. I don't I don't think he ever. I'm pretty sure he was done when he said he was quitting. He was quitting, um, which is sad. Yeah. I mean, like 
part of me still holds hope that maybe one day because i mean like he's still in and around game development he's just not a public figure yeah what is he what is he been doing lately i wonder he he well the last thing that i remember him like actively working on was that it was called like polynaut or polytron or something not the company but like there was like a something called poly it was a vr game yeah playstation vr that's right. He they did announce that. I don't think that's going to happen either. No, I, I think it came out. Like I, oh, did I it? watched a video. Yeah, like of people playing it. I just don't remember what it was exactly called. Was it Super Hypercube? Or that? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's Super Hypercube. Yeah, Super Hypercube was the game that I was thinking of. But yeah, so like that came out and it was on VR and like that was the that's last right. thing I remember him working on. Yeah. Did you know his real name is Philippe Poisson? No, but I believe it. Uh, do you know what poisson means in in French? Like a like a pressed croissant. Uh, it's it's fish. Oh. Oh. Okay. Sure. Oh, hey, look. Here's an article on Looper from December of 2020, titled "Why Fez Creator Phil Fish Abruptly Quit the Gaming Industry." Uh. Huh. Yeah. Not only is Fez 2 canceled indefinitely, but creator of the game Phil Fish has gone largely silent. Which are things that we knew. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I just, fuck, I hope he's, I hope he's actually working on it. Um, he better be, he fucking better be. I'm so sad. I mean, I'm just so from sad. the logo alone, it seemed oh, like it was going to do some like cool vector shit. Yeah. Yes. Like <sighs> you could, you could get a sense for what he wanted to do just from the teaser and the logo. Uh, I God, that's that's like a sequel that we're probably never going to see. And I'm so sad about it, but I would love for it to be real. I, I so I never finished Fez and for no good reason, honestly, uh, it was just like a weird time to like be in, invested in, in games for me. Like just things were happening. Sure. Uh, but I loved what I did play of it. Like I have no bad things to say about that game. I loved it. I love the feel of it. I love the look of it. I love the music. Yes. Yes. The Fez soundtrack was the thing that I just listened to outside of the game. Dude, like for years, it was like a go-to thing for me while I'd be working or just hanging out. Like it's gorgeous. I think, did I buy the vinyl? I think I bought the vinyl. I better have bought the vinyl. You you bought the vinyl, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure, I'm almost certain that I did. Um, Yeah, this game's real fucking good. Uh, I'm excited that it's on the switch because now I have an easy excuse to pick it up and play it again. <laughs> uh, last item from the Nintendo Indie World Showcase. Uh, Oxenfree 2 was surprise announced. Um, that was a game. I, so Oxenfree is like is more or less a critical darling, right? Like I think I think it was pretty well received and it does some really cool stuff. And I think the narrative is great. I think uh, the art is really fun. Um, and I played this game on my phone while I was abroad in Europe for a few weeks. Um, oh, which is not the way I normally do this stuff. But it was one of those games that I'd heard lots of good things about. Um, this was this. What, what year was this? This is 2017. Um, and, you know, it was just one of those things where, like, we were on the back third of a trip and um, like we'd adjusted to local time, but just like things were exhausting every day. Right. And so we'd end up back in the, the flat that we were staying at in Stockholm, like, you know, pretty early on in the evening and Ashley would pass out early 
and I'd be like still not tired. So, and I needed something to do. And so, you know, I could have just read uh, a book like a normal person. <laughs> uh, but instead I was like, I'm going to check out Oxenfree. And so basically over the three nights that we were staying in Stockholm, maybe it was four. Um, I just, I worked my way through that game in bed uh, on my iPhone and it was wonderful. Um, and so I've, I've always kind of meant to replay it on another platform with higher fidelity or just a bigger yeah. screen. Um, but it's also a game where like, once you know the narrative, you know the narrative. And so like, there's some alternate paths you can take and you can like, there's different dialogue you can select that results in very different uh, outcomes of conversations. So that would be worth seeing. Um, and it's just a really well-designed game and the voice acting is really solid. Uh, but they, there'd been speculation about whether another oxen free game was going to happen. And so, Today, it was confirmed that it's a thing. And I'm I'm weirdly not weirdly. I'm just I'm super down <laughs> for it because uh, because it is such a like an interesting take on. Not like a full on Stranger Things type story, but something that feels adjacent to that, you know, OK, um, did you ever play this? I did not. I have it. I just it's one of those backlog games that. Yeah, I want to I get to you. eventually. Yeah, so, you know, it's like it's an adventure game and it's like light puzzle solving, mostly narrative and conversation driven, really, really great execution of like establishing relationships between the characters and exploring those things and exploring like themes of growing older and like finding your identity as a as a teenager or like a younger person. Um, but all this is juxtaposed against being on a haunted island with a supernatural force doing some really like weird and uh, possibly bad shit um and you can you like there's some interdimensional stuff there is some like person getting lost into another dimension and like hearing glimpses of them over a radio and like using the radio to communicate with spirits and uh and this other, also this otherworldly entity that is a bad time um it's it's great it's super good uh i i would say like well i'm not going to tell you what to do with your backlog but it's worth your time <laughs> cool yeah uh, so anyway needless to say lots of really good shit in the indie world showcase today i was very surprised uh by how much good stuff there was because normally these things just come and go like i said I and mean, i don't care but uh i'm hyped on this one yeah it was it was a good one i mean sure there's probably a lot in there that was like it's already coming out to other platforms and now it's just coming out for switch and that that's the announcement but it's just cool to see a lot of these games because I mean, like for Road ninety six, for example, it's just like it's just so different, you know. Yes, like you, we don't get games quite like this, so it's just no. cool to see and have highlighted games that like we just don't have. Yes, agreed. Uh, it's a that one seems like it could be extra special. Uh, there's a thing I want to plug here. Um, Noclip dropped a doc on Astrobot or sorry, Astro's Playroom. Um, oh, okay. Which which I know you know about, but um, it, it's a really great documentary that talks about how, and it's like 30 minutes, and it talks about basically the development process for this game and how, you know, how what was created as a series of tech demos for the PlayStation 5's DualSense controller turned into a full-fledged game but then also how it became a showcase for playstation's history because that was not necessarily the original intent um 
it's a really great interview with one of the game's developers. Um, and it's, it's just a really fun look at, you know, what became like one of my surprise favorites of, uh, well, technically this year, but, um, (laughs) it's, uh, like, like certainly one of the best packing games ever made. Uh, and, and one that we have talked about multiple times on this show. Um, and one that I have said repeatedly, I want a bigger version of this, please. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I would go if, if you have love for Astrobot uh, and for Astro's Playroom, I would say go, go, ch- go watch that on Noclip. Or honestly, if you if you don't know what it's all about, maybe go watch this anyway. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, I, I think there's some really just cool behind the scenes on how something like something like this comes to be and, uh, you know, what sort of process it goes through and just you know yeah it's great and and the, the you know the the interview is is very well conducted so um and you know danny always throws together some great shit with his documentaries so yeah i mean shout out to no clip in general just amazing stuff always yes. yeah really really excellent content um that brings us to emails Gmails. So let's, let's read a Gmail email. Edmail. Edmail. Uh, yeah. Shocker. This week's email comes from Saving Content Zone at Acosta. <sighs> uh, this, is, uh, this is one I meant to spend some time uh, figuring out the right format for ahead of time, and I didn't. So we're just going to go with, with what's here, and we're going to make it work. Okay. Um, since you fellas love fast food so much... <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Let's do a fast lightning round, st- uh, sty- uh, fast lightning round style of restaurant food questions. Uh, I say it of quick questions, if you will. So cheeky. Um, I'm going to list off a number of this or that questions, and your goal is to answer within five seconds. The faster or better. So you know, think think you don't know Jack, I guess. Um, yeah. Except except there's not a wrong answer technically. Uh, you may be familiar with this game from episode 22 of the fifth season of Friends entitled The One with Joey's Big Break, where Joey has a hard time deciding on two choices and Phoebe teaches him an instant answers technique. The technique is this game right here. Uh, oh, is that, is that where the, the meme comes from? Which meme? Uh, the, I don't know. There's like a meme of, of Phoebe and Joey and she's like teaching him things and he has to repeat it or whatever. Is that the same thing? Same episode? Uh, I've never watched Friends. I have no I, clue. I've also basically never watched Friends and don't care. So um, I I was a Seinfeld guy. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. I was I was in for sophisticated comedy. That's right. I was in for shows about nothing, not shows about Friends. <laughs> it's funny. It was like, weird. It was like Seinfeld was like something that I attached myself to, but like yeah, there was something about Friends of like they're too adult for me. That's yeah, because right, because Seinfeld, like those people are so childish um, <laughs> and, and they're such assholes. And like, that's the kind of the funny part of why rewatching Seinfeld as an adult is number one, that show holds up really well. Number two, you really get a better sense of just how horrible they are to each other. <laughs> <laughs> and you realize like that's part of why it's funny is because they're all miserable and they deserve all the bad things that happen to them. But uh, it's a good show. Um, well, anyway, right. so I, I don't yeah. get. I don't get the reference is all I'm saying. Neither, neither do I. Uh, so neither of us may be familiar with, with this game, but that's okay. We can play anyway. Um, oh, so, we're gonna. so we have to answer fast is the trick. So I'm going to read it off. You're going to answer. I'm going to answer. We're going to move on. Okay. 
Yep. Great. All right. Are we ready to learn a lot about ourselves? Here we go. Number one, McDonald's or Wendy's? Wendy's. Wendy's. Beef or chicken? Chicken. Chicken. Quarter pounder or cheeseburger? Quarter pounder. A quarter pounder? That cheeseburger is so fucking open-ended. What the hell? Uh, gr- oh, from McDonald's. Okay, yes. Uh, grilled or crispy chicken? Crispy. Crispy. Uh, well, this is scary. <laughs> French fries. <laughs> oh, <laughs> French fries. Ketchup or salt only? <laughs> salt only. Ketchup. Do you dip your fries in ketchup or mayo? If you have to do one. The ketchup. Okay. Uh, also ketchup. And then... Yeah, he, he, tried, he adds fancy sauce like both is an option but this is supposed to be a this or that so i'm not i did read it on purpose okay. uh, milkshake or blizzard milkshake milkshake coffee or tea tea coffee cookies or pies cookies oh this is uh, cookies i guess you're making me choose between my two favorite children <laughs> popeyes or kfc popeyes popeyes original or extra crispy doesn't this only apply to KFC? So it does. Extra yes. crispy, though. I, I guess same. Yeah, extra crispy. Spicy or mild choices? Mild, usually. S- spicy. Back to sandwiches. Pickles or no pickles? No pickles. Pickles. Uh, burger with or without egg? Without. Without. With the caveat that I do like a burger with egg on it, but I almost always go without. Uh, Subway or Jimmy John's? Subway. Jimmy John's uh, hot or cold sub hot cold pizza hut or Domino's pizza hut Domino's uh, pineapple on pizza yes or no nope yes <laughs> anchovies yes or no never no not not even once uh, 7-eleven big bites or sonic Coney Island dogs Coney Island dogs because I don't know what the 7-eleven things are identical answer uh bone in or bone out wings bone out get them the fuck out of here i'm gonna go with both <laughs> it's not an option um i don't know man that's 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 not fair that's this is not intended to be a cop-out but this is one of those things where like my preference is very on a lot of factors here but bone out is easier <laughs> yes uh bones add lots of good flavor though i'm just saying that is also true i won't uh, yeah beer or wine uh i know you don't, wine, you don't drink I, guess. I don't drink so wine i guess wine uh chilies or applebee's 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 uh dunkin donuts or krispy Kreme? dunkin yeah i think dunkin um glazed or filled donut glazed glazed are they donut holes or bites uh what what do you call which term are oh. you, do you know uh, do you call donut, it donut holes. holes or donut yeah donut holes what are you what is, is donut bites a thing is that a regional thing that i don't know about i don't know i feel like i've heard all the regional food things but apparently not we, we had holes in the midwest potholes donut holes yeah it's always been donut all sorts holes of holes out here <laughs> <laughs> cold beverages ice or no ice 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 but not very much uh school lunch chocolate milk or juice please i didn't have the option in school but if i did uh yeah chocolate milk i guess yeah chocolate milk uh eat your fast food while driving 
eat it in their parking lot or let it get cold and eat at home. Let it get cold and eat it at home if that's how it has to be. Yeah, I think uh, I think if those are my options, I'm going to go with the last one, unfortunately. You can't eat in my car. That's not going to happen. It's a good rule. I like this rule. Uh, also, like if the last year is any indication, it's almost always let it get cold and eat it at home. <laughs> yeah. But I also choose fast food strategically to like limit the coldness. Um, yeah, I, I have a uh, not to di- not to digress here, but I have heated seats and I turn them on to keep the fast food warm. That is a smart play. What you need is like you need an air fryer or a toaster oven that you can keep in there and use and stick the food in there. Yeah. Or like the, the pizza bags that keep everything warm. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you should get a pizza bag. Uh, <laughs> and finally, the age old question, Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. If you know Coke. me, it's Pepsi. I, I did know this about you. Uh, I used to be a Pepsi diehard like for about four or five years. And then I, I switched back after after that period of time. All right. Well, that was fun. Uh, that was fun. I, I, I like- was like constraining my answers like within two seconds, but I, I knew what I was going to say. No, you did good. You did real good. I only elaborated on half of mine because I had the luxury to do so. Yeah, uh, I mean, there were certainly like ones where it was just hard to like pick one because like they either didn't apply at all or. Yeah, like even you said, like sometimes they're just situational. Yeah, yeah. Some of these are apples like some of these are less binary than they appear, uh, in my opinion. That's just me. All right. Well, that was fun. Uh, I, I liked that we learned that you and I align on most of those things. Yeah, it was exciting. Uh, and the ones that we drifted on, I feel like is a is, is room for friendly rivalry. So I agree. That's, that's all good. I actually had pineapple on pizza for dinner tonight. Uh, oh, wow. So, oh, man, there's this. I'm so <laughs> glad I had the opportunity to talk about this. There was a pizza place in southeast Portland, um, which is not the part of the city that I live in, unfortunately, because I have never had this pizza before. I've heard about it from friends for years and I finally got to try it tonight. Um, and it's like a South side Chicago style pizza. And so basically it's thin crust, lots of cheese, lots of cheese. And then the sauce is like, has uh, extra sugar added in it. So it's like a sweet marinara. Okay. And it is just delightful. I can like, see how that would work. Oh, man. And it's like, it's not too much sweetness, but it's just like a little bit of extra flavor. And like, oh, God, it was great. I couldn't, I couldn't stop eating it. And so there was, there was like a, their take on a Hawaiian, which was like Canadian bacon and crumbled bacon bits and like big pineapple rings. Um, and like, they weren't like the kind of, you know, like, you know how it is with pineapple on pizza. A lot of the time you get pineapple on pizza and it's really sad, you know? Yeah. And this was like, it's like almost like they had grilled the pineapple separately. And so it was still like very robust and had good texture and flavor and hadn't been like had the life cooked out of it. Um, and then there was like just a pepperoni and olive. And I don't really like olives, but I ate it anyway. And, and I just couldn't get enough. So. All this to say, seek out. Chicago, like Southside style pizza, if you can. I think it might be the best one, maybe. 
I don't know about that, but it was really good. So fun fact, have, uh, yeah. people from, from Chicago don't actually eat deep dish pizzas all the time. Uh, pff, I, no way. It is, it is hard to believe. I know, but it is despite what you may read or see anywhere. We, we don't want that all the time. I, hmm. I mean, I sort of assumed that that was part of the, the daily diet. It was part of the, it was one of the food groups. Yeah. One of the, <laughs> one of the Chicago food groups. Um, I'm really disappointed to hear that that's not the case. Frankly. Well, I just, uh, I have to expose the truth. Well, you know, you wouldn't be a good journalist if you didn't. And so I appreciate <laughs> your integrity. Uh, all right. Well, actually, wait, no, no. First, do you have a favorite style of pizza? I have to ask favorite, this. Favorite style? Yeah. I don't or just get too fancy. Uh, I mean, I would say that I really prefer stuffed crust pizzas. Like, of course, <laughs> Pizza Hut's kind of the, the primary, but I do like DiGiorno's version of it. Like, I feel like they do mm. a really good, good job with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm pretty plain with pizza like pepperoni sausage but like outside of that box i do like to do uh a cheese pizza with tomato and bacon i feel like that's Hmm. really good i really like doing that interesting interesting all right i haven't tried that maybe i will what's your uh what's your beef with pineapple on pizza uh no real beef uh just i I don't like the sweetness (laughs) <laughs> i just don't like the sweetness like i just yeah. i don't know it's got to be like really in the mood for something like that and i almost never am yeah i hear you i hear you well that clears that up <laughs> some people will like threaten to go to war over that it's like a twizzlers versus red vine sort of situation oh totally uh, or coke versus pepsi even yeah i mean i'm not gonna go to war over that but uh but yeah i but know what you do. mean some people do yeah you hear about it all the time. <laughs> it's just tragic, really, how often it occurs. It's a never-ending uh, war, really. Yeah, it's like we've been trying to get out of this war for decades and um, just won't stop. Can't get a ceasefire. They both just keep making cola. <laughs> Meanwhile, RC is over here on the sidelines like, someone pay attention to me, please. Never had a chance. Nah. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks so much for joining us on Quick Save. You can find me on Twitter at EV underscore R-O-W-E. Scott, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Hawk underscore S-E. Excellent. Visit us at savingcontent.com for news and reviews. Uh, I believe Scott's Astro Aqua Kitty review is up right now. Uh, we should have reviews of Oddworld Soul- Soulstorm and uh hopefully yakuza 6 going up in the next few days as well so keep an eye out for those if you have questions you'd like to have answered on the podcast or if you have fun quiz ideas for us or if you'd like to challenge us please send them in to quicksave at savingcontent.com or reach out to us on twitter at saving content one last favor if you can if you have the means please leave us a review on itunes uh something to the tune of five stars would be particularly nice uh it's a really great way to help us get some more exposure and grow our audience and it doesn't cost you anything but it's just a precious few seconds of your time 
Thanks in advance for that. Wink. Until next time, you know what they say. Thank you.